hand clap as he comes forward to minister to us. Wow, that was a wonderful service so far. How many has been blessed by the presence of the Lord? Isn't that good? Man, it's good to be home. I feel like I'm home here and I'm free to persecute at full strength. Amen. But uh, so appreciate Clay and opportunity to get to be with him. And man, what I mean, he just spews about the Greek. You know, I'm still trying to learn English. But uh, it's wonderful to hear the nuggets that God's given him. We appreciate him so much. Good to be back with Donald and Rachel and the kiddos and the family of God. I'm telling you, I'm thrilled to be here. How many of you just glad like Minnie Pearl to be here? Amen. I'm just thrilled to be here. And it's just such a good thing to be back home. And I'm looking forward to hearing the reports of Debbie speaking tomorrow night. But pray, yeah, give her a hand. I'm tickled about that. Donald told me I finally found my purpose. Uh, I can drive Debbie to her meeting. So anyway, <clears throat> they're going to make a movie about it, driving Miss Debbie. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm just thrilled that God's using her life. She's written a tremendous book. And uh, just excited about what God's doing in her and thrilled. And, uh, but do pray because they're going to give her a microphone. And for 40 years, I've told one side of the story. So <clears throat> be keeping me in prayer for mercy and grace we sung about. But anyway, it's just so good to see the hand of the Lord put together a service. This morning, it's been put together by God. And I was sitting there. I just kept elbowing Deb and saying, man, this is right on. But I want to talk this morning about needing a move from God. How many of you need a move from God? Boy, I need a move from God. I need God to give me a word for right now. Do you? And there's sometimes when the words of people just won't, won't cut it. And there's sometimes people try to help you. But how many of you know it comes down sometimes you just need God to move? If you're there right now, would you just lift up your hand? Ain't nothing to be ashamed about it. I've been there many times. I just need God to show up. Sneak God to show up. And, and I want to start today with some questions. If you need God to show up in your life, then he's able. How many how many's had God to show up in their life before? I just want to start with these questions. First of all, we need God to move. How many of you had God to move? How many of you can literally say God moved at a time in my life when nobody else could help me? Boy, I'm telling you. I've had that happen time and again when man's give up on me. He's been a few times I've given up on myself. Have you ever been there? But how many of you know God's able? Boy, I love what Ephesians 3.20 said, Unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that I can ask or think. That might not mean much to you, but I got a wild imagination. I can think of more stuff than 40 people can do. And I, I get vivid in my imagination. Sometimes I scare my own self. Just what I can think of. But he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above that. <laughs> he's able. Look at your name and say, he's able. So, I need God to move and I know God can move. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you believe he's still able to move? I wrote on Facebook last week, you know, I, I'm a Facebooker now. I, I stayed away from that stuff for years. I told y'all before I was waiting for YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to get together, and then I just had to learn one thing, and we'll call it you twit face. But anyway, 
I've been Facebooking and and I wrote on there last week about God's ability to move in your life. But you can't judge his ability by your situation. You'll make a mistake when you think God can't fix what you've messed up. There's nothing too dirty. He can't make worth it. There's nothing past his ability. And we need to understand that. But I, I want to go a, another question. And this is where we really get down to the rubber meeting the road. How many of you are trying to get God to move? How <laughs> I many knows what I'm talking about? You're trying to get God to move. It's like you're on your best behavior. It's like before you pray, you read 10 chapters. Oh, God. I just read 10 chapters. I need you to move. Now, I know y'all ain't ever done that. I can tell by your laughter. It's very hard to get God on your page. In fact, I discovered after 40 years, he ain't even reading my book. I sure ain't going to get him on my page. And trying to get God to move is a difficult thing, isn't it? How many of us tried real hard several different ways to get God to move? Would you just be honest? Hold up your hand. My last question is, how's that working for you? It ain't working too good. It seems like God, whether we realize it or not, actually knows he's God. He's not confused. <laughs> you know, you may be as confused as a tooth fairy in a nursing home, but God <laughs> knows that he's God and that he's able to do whatever he wants to. And that's where frustration sets in. When you know God could move right now, but he don't seem to want to. And we start trying to make him get us out of this and some things he don't want to get us out of he wants to take us through to develop us and we're we're trying to get on the other side of it whatever it takes just save me lord and we just push and shove and everything we can do we get so frustrated and, and god's at work all the time god's never resting he's at work all the time and we need to learn to rest in him and realize he's up to something He's up to something, and this morning I feel like he's up to something. I just feel like he's up to something. But, you know, when I read the Bible anymore, I, I really am thankful that God didn't edit the Bible. You know, he talked about Noah getting drunk and Abraham being a liar, David being an adulterer. <laughs> you know, somebody asked me, would you like to be in the Bible? Uh-uh, because... -uh, there's a lot of people reading it, and God didn't clean it up. Amen. I don't think I want my life on display. How about you? You know, it'd been great to stand in the crowd, maybe the 5,000, so he wouldn't pick me out. But anyway, how many of you know he's, he's at work in us? And he accepts us like we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. But when I start reading the Bible now, I get tickled because I see myself in it. I want to read a story in Luke. Chapter 7 today. Now, this is this a story where people try and get Jesus to move? And I don't know. I just find it to be kind of funny. I want Deb to come and she'll read this for you. Luke chapter 
7 verses 1 through 10. And, and I want you to look at how these people are trying to maneuver Jesus. In case you feel like you're lonely in your attempt to get him to move, I want you to listen closely to these verses. Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Read that again. Listen to what Jesus said. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. We're here this week to speak on daring faith. What kind of faith moves the heart of God? Let's just pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, I know you've directed the service. Lord, we've sung my message. But God, right now, your word has the ability to change our situation. <laughs> and we are needful people this morning in need of a move of your spirit, Lord, and a touch of your hand. And nothing else can Change our situation, Lord. Give us ears to hear and understanding hearts. But above that, Lord, make us pliable to your word, that it can bring forth fruit to your kingdom and glory to your name. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone in agreement together said, Amen. I love how this starts off with the religious folks. This morning I talked about how religion will tie you to your past and block you from your future. I mean, every no religion never help you. And a religious view is what I was talking about a while ago. Trying to get God to move. Look at what they said. Jesus, you ought to move for three reasons. And it's very important you understand these reasons. Number one, this man is worthy of your move. That's what that business is when we say, Lord, I read 10 chapters. We are trying to get ourselves worthy I remember I used to people come to the altar and I'd try to help them because they were there and they'd say I'm not worthy I'm not worthy and I used to try to prop them up and encourage them yeah you're worthy 
Then I realized I was lying to them. Because they wasn't worthy. <laughs> and then I kind of flipped too much in the other ditch. They come up and say, ain't worthy. And I say, you ain't joking. You ain't worthy. Listen, if you were worthy, it wouldn't be grace. It'd be reward. And let me tell you something you don't need. You don't need reward for how worthy you are. If you get what you deserve, you in some serious trouble because <laughs> you don't deserve anything to do with grace. None. Grace means unmerited. Thank God he didn't give you what you deserve. And when you think you deserve something, you need to back up and punt. Because you way out of place. See, they said he's worthy. He's worthy. And when Jesus didn't seem to pay him any mind, they said he's worthy. And he's loving. He's loving. He's loving. He's a loving guy. You know, Jesus, you're a loving cause. He loves you. How many has ever tried to tell Jesus you love him so you could get Jesus to love you back? Not realizing he loved you first. Amen. Lord, don't you love me? How many of you know the devil will come tell you, Jesus don't love you? Can I go a little step farther? Did you know you have never sinned ever in your life that first the devil didn't change your view of the love of God? Do you know every time you've ever fallen flat on your face, it's because the devil started out telling you that God didn't love you? Did you know that was the original sin? He told Adam and Eve, said, God don't love you, and he's trying to keep you from being like him. If you'd eat this fruit, you'd be like him. Did you know every time you've ever fallen, he's convinced you of the same thing, that God don't love you? Can I help you this morning? God loves you in spite of you, not because of you. How many of you know you wasn't loving when he loved you? How many of you, let's go a step farther. How many of you didn't even love yourself when he loved you? He didn't even love me when he showed his love towards me. I hated me, in fact, when he showed his love towards me. So they said, God, listen, this guy is worthy, and this guy is loving, and this guy's done some great stuff. See, good works, that's when we try to get God to move because we think we've done something to gain his attention. Amen. Good works. See, listen, he built us a synagogue. This guy is awesome. And you ought to move because look what he's done. <laughs> I remember walking into church in 1982, and I had all kind of positions. And I thought if I held enough positions, I had value. So I was doing stuff I wasn't even gifted to do, most of it, in fact. I was working 100 hours a month at the church plus 40 hours on a job. I was there all the time. I walked into the church. We had a big cross on the back of our church, and somebody left a light on the cross. It fluorescent. It was shining. And I was feeling so good, and I knew that Jesus was just tickled because I was on his team. I was walking to the church on Saturday at 2 o'clock because we was there. Debbie's going to do the bulletin. I was going to get everything ready for Jesus. And I got to the second pew, and the Lord said to me, when are you going to work for me? And I said, do what? 
where am I going to work for you? And I stopped at the second pew, and I, I read him my pedigree. Told him what all I was doing for him. I thought he'd been off creating worlds and stuff. He didn't realize how valuable I was to the kingdom. And I told him, you know, I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm doing that for you. You know, surely, surely you know how valuable I am. You know, I've been doing all this stuff. And, and he said a word to me. He said, you're not doing this for me. You're doing that for you. And I said, do what? And he said to me, I've never told you to do those things. And then he said something that scared the snot out of me. He said, did you know I can't reward anything I've not commanded? And I realized all the stuff I gathered was wood, hay, and stubble because he had never told me to do it. I was just doing it because I was trying to work for a dead historical figure that had died, you know, Jesus. And I was trying to work for Jesus. And he was wanting to work in me, and I was trying to work for him. And my working for him, Walter, not it hindered him working through me. And, and so I went the next day, and I don't advise this because I nearly killed my pastor. But I went the next morning, and I resigned the 10 or 11 positions I held, I, I quit because I wasn't getting no brownie points for it anyhow, so I just quit. And they were like, you can't quit. And I'm like, I got to quit because he said I wasn't doing nothing. Listen, when Jesus tells you you ain't doing nothing, just agree with him because you ain't doing nothing. And so I quit all these jobs, and I remember going every day and laying behind the church on my face on the dirt. And this is what I prayed. I know it sounds funny, but I'm just being honest. This morning I prayed, Lord, listen, I don't care what you tell me, I do it. If you tell me pick bubble gum off the pews, I'll be your number one bubble gum picker of all time. I don't even care. I just want to bring a smile on your face. And I just want to do something that you would find worthy for me to do. And I don't want to do things to try to gain your approval anymore. I'm through with that. Can I tell you I'm still through with that? It's been years. See, I've already got his approval. It's not based on what I've done for him. It's based on what he's done for me. Are you listening to me? You get to heaven, don't try to tell him how impressive you are. That ain't going to work good for you. He's done some good things. Yeah. So what? Now his friend shows up while this crowd's going on, and I got some friends like this. His friend shows up. Look at the friend, because <laughs> he's a real friend. How many of you know real friends tell you the truth? Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. A real friend, they, they tell you. You know, I, I was at a conference one time, and, and I was with some people who told me they was my friends, and y'all know I cried everything. They opened a Dollar General store or whatever, I cried. Can't watch a Little House on Prairie. I dehydrate. And so I didn't take a handkerchief. I mean, that's like cardinal sin for a guy that cries as much as I do. Somebody give me Kleenexes. Kleenex ain't got it. They, they need to go back to the drawing board. Because if you're really crying, you're a man, you got a stubble face, and you try and use Kleenex, you, you have 40 living little white knobby things on your face. 
And all my friends never said a word. And we went out to eat in the middle of this conference. And I'm walking along, looking like Santa Claus. Not a word from a friend. Trying to convince me that friend. How many of you know a real friend that you got something on your nose and it ain't good, Bubba? You know, nobody. I looked in the mirror and I saw all this and I'm thinking, them people ain't my friend. They let me go out in public like this. Real friend tell you the truth. I said, real friend tell you the truth. This friend shows up and says, let me tell you about this guy they talking about. Don't even trouble yourself. He ain't even worth your trouble. <laughs> he ain't all that. I know him. Don't trouble yourself. Now look at the second thing he tells him. They just tried to convince him. He ain't even worthy of you touching him. I get tickled because people, they try to make you feel good about yourself. I had a couple or a few kids that was in a Paducah school shooting that I mentored. And uh, every time I met with them on Wednesday, the Spirit of God would come on me while I was teaching because I got a gift to teach. And they got, they got a little carried away. And they said to my daughter, Tate, they said, what is it like to live with Rick every day? Now, how many of you know my daughter? She was born without a filter. And we've tried for almost 40 years to put one on her, but she still don't have one. And we used to have to threaten her with her life when we take her places. If you tell any family secrets, you're not coming back home. We're sending you express to Jesus because she would just blurt out. And so when they asked this question, she said, well, I can tell you one thing, it ain't that much. She said, y'all do know his feet stink, don't you? And then she come home to me and she said, Dad, you need to quit acting so spiritual because these people are buying into it and you and I both know better. <laughs> we know what you really like right here. <laughs> I'm pulling out my wallet to bribe her. But anyway, real friend ain't going to cut you no slack. He says, listen, this guy ain't worth your trouble and he ain't worthy of your touch. Now look at the next thing he tells him. He said, he ain't even worthy to come to you to begin with. Nor you to go to him. <laughs> How many of you know there's something about realizing what you're not that draws Jesus to be who he is? Whew. You hear what I said? There's something about realizing what you're not that draws him to be who he is. Here's a, here what I can tell you about my friend. He said he understands authority and submission. He ain't worthy for you to touch. He ain't worthy for you to come. He ain't worthy to come here. But he understands authority and submission. His friend was being honest. He knew the good qualities. He knew the worthless things. He said he understands submission and authority. Because he himself is in authority and under submission. How many of you know that you can't have authority greater than you have submission to authority? 
I'm going to say it again because you need to hear this. You can't have authority greater than you have submission to authority. It always is parallel. If you're not under authority, you certainly don't need to be in authority. Here's, here's the next thing he said. And he also understands the power of a spoken word. Because, see, he can say to one, come, and he comes. He can say to another, go, and he goes. And he said, listen, you don't need to, you don't need to be over this place. Because he understands how this thing works. He understands all you got to do, Jesus, is just utter the word. Boy, when we come to understanding that it's not a touch of his hand we need. Listen to me. We pray things that we, we better not get the answer. Oh, God, just lay your hand on me. Listen, if God laid his hand on you, you'd just be a little greasy. Spot. You don't realize the power of his touch. He looked your way and you unconscious for a while. Imagine him actually touching you. He said, listen, he don't need you to come over. He don't need you to go over all these things and go through this rigmarole. All he needs to do is hear you speak a word. See, that's what you really need right now. You just need a word from God in your situation. It'll change everything else in your life. One single word from God. Now, Jesus is walking with the crowd, so therefore they think he's in agreement to everything they're saying. <laughs> we know the story because Debbie read it. The Lord said, just tell him, servant is whole. We read on, we find out his servant's healed that very hour. Because God, attention was gained by something. But I want to draw this knot a little bit tighter. What will precipitate the next move of God in your life or mine? What's going to make Jesus speak our direction or our Deliverance and walk in their direction. What is he looking for? What will precipitate the next move of God? See, we here's the thing about a move of God. It only ministered you where you're at in a situation to more you find yourself in need of another move of God. Because you got another problem, and sometimes it's worse than one you had. And you need God to move for you again. What is he looking for and what will cause him to move? That's the third part of the story. Go ahead and put it up. See, the next move of God will not be manipulated by your scheme, but it'll be because of your integrity. See, I believe God's purifying the church right now. It's not, will Jesus bless me? The question is, am I blessable? <laughs> and am I walking in integrity? Or do I have an image of what I think moves the hand of God? See, listen to me. Jesus knows who you are. He's not trying to figure you out. You're trying to figure you out. Integrity means it's integrated in every area of my life. I am who I am, where I am, no matter who I'm with, I'm still that guy. 
Integrity is like putting Kool-Aid in water. It's in every molecule of the water. You can't separate it. And so many people don't have integrity. They have an image. <coughs> Are you hearing me? That really choked me up. Listen to me. You got to have more than an image that you show up on Sunday acting like you're saved. If you're going to get Jesus to move in this place on a continual basis, you're going to have to do it. Give me some water. I don't want to be a dry preacher. I want you to get a hold of what I'm saying. Are you hearing me? Integrity and character. I love what it says in Psalm 72 about David. Clay was mentioning David this morning. I prayed him off my message. But David went through all these stages, but at the end, here's what God said about him. I brought you out of the sheep, folk, because I had some sheep for you to shepherd. With the integrity of your heart and the skill of your hand. Does integrity matter? Integrity is all that matters. Because God ain't trying to figure you out. He knows who you are. Integrity is the basis to experience a move of God. I want to live my life in such a way that God can move uninterrupted. This is what God's looking for. Look at the next thing. Not only integrity and character, but he's looking for kindness. How many of you know we need to learn how to be kind? I said we need to learn how to just be kind. Be kind to people. Last night we went out to eat, and there was a young boy named Cameron that waited on us. He, he was a precious little fella. He told us, it's the first time I've ever served anybody. It's my first rattle out of the box. So I said, well, you're doing really good. Debbie gave him a fist bump, and the little boy almost passed out. He didn't know anybody over 60 even understood what a fist bump was. Yeah, he, he like freaked clean out, didn't he, Donald? He was like, yeah! He, he screamed out. He was getting all radical. Just being kind. And there's something about the kindness of God, Titus 3 tells us, that brought us to a place of repentance because he didn't do what we deserved. He was kind to us in our moment of vulnerability. He was kind. It's the kindness of God that will bring people to repentance. We just need to be kind. And it's so hard sometimes for us to be kind because we're so self-centered. We think the whole world's revolving around us. Isn't that the truth? What's God looking for? He's looking for integrity and character. He's looking for kindness. Let's look at the third thing he's looking for. Because the next move of God will be built on faith. That's why we've been doing a series on daring faith. How many of you know you got to believe? Just believe. Did you know the whole world went upside down when Adam and Eve went? <laughs> God had told them something and they went like it. Did you know when you was living in sin, that's basically what you're doing? Let's practice our old life for a minute. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what it is. I believe I can beat this. And you went off in your ignorance. People trying to tell you stuff. I remember my dad used to tell me, old sheep know the trail, little lambs have to find it because they're hard-headed. And I didn't do it in front of them because I needed my teeth to eat. But inside I was going, 
went headlong off into trouble. <laughs> you know what your part of salvation is? You go from this. Everybody do this. Okay. That's what you did at the altar. You got saved because you went like this. That's your part. <laughs> Practice your part. That's all you did. And people try to make it some formula, you know, you got to say these words, you got to do this thing. I remember when I was trying to get saved, August 7th, 1972, and I was crying like you beat everybody in my family to death. And I would just sup, sup. And you ever been to where you cry so much, your head don't work right no more? And you sucking your lips. You know, I was at this point, and people saying, you need to repeat this. How many of you know you can't repeat if you can't breathe? But inside, I would go, <laughs> he heard that and saved me. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> but you know, that's all he was looking for, for me to quit doing this. <laughs> it wasn't some magic words. It was a willing heart that I really believed he could save me. And he did. He said, those that come to God must believe that he is God. Do this with me. I believe that. That's all faith is, just an agreement with what God already is. It's not some big magical something. And we're talking about great faith, little faith, precious faith, lack of faith. Don't take much to go. He's not looking for a formula. He's looking for a creep. Yeah, he's looking for integrity. He's looking for kindness. He's looking for faith. Let me show you the next thing he's looking for. Submission. Submission. Just so you can trade in what you think for what he knows. <laughs> Submission is such a tough thing. We're so afraid that we won't be in control. Even though being in control has almost destroyed us. Submission. It just means surrender. Amen? It just means surrender. I remember falling out of a boat one time, which is really serious because I can't swim. And I was laying on my back, screaming bubbles. And it looked like I was a long ways away. And I was fighting and frailing. Water was going everywhere. And finally I heard through the water, stand up. And I was about this deep. <laughs> I just need to hear nobody. <laughs> that was it. I'd about drowned if I had been by myself. But. I wasn't really in danger. I was just hard-headed. Stand up. <laughs> Dry your belt off. Get back in the boat. But anyway, if you just quit trying to run the deal and submit to those he put in authority over you, you wouldn't worry about nothing now. There's one more thing. And I'm going to quit for now, part two tonight. This was Clay was trying to get on my message. You just got to praise him. You just got to worship him. You just got to realize he's really God and he knows it. 
And if he's in control, you don't have to be. And all you got to do is just recognize he's in control and throw up both hands and worship. I got tickled. My grandson's going on vacation today. I wish I had faith like him. I was over at his house for Father's Day last Sunday, and he said, Hey, Pops, Kendall's on vacation, isn't she? I said, Yeah. He said, Did you give her any money before she left? <laughs> I said, Trey, I'm fascinated by your concern for Kendall. Why would you ask such a thing? He said, to be honest, Papa, I need some dough. And I said, what do you think I ought to do about that? He said, oh, I know what you're going to do. You're going to give me some dough, Papa, because I know you. Guess what he got? He got some dough because he really believed I'd give it to him. I sure couldn't let him down there. I was kind of scared because his daddy was sitting there, and I could tell he needs some dough, too. <laughs> so I went to get me a cup of coffee. You know, sometimes it's good to leave the room, you know. <laughs> Ma was across the table, and she knew how much dough I had, so I was in danger. But anyway, you know, if we just went to Jesus with that kind of understanding of his love, I just need this. I don't care if it's cancer. It's no more to him than what I gave to Trey. Because he has it. He has whatever you need. 1 John 5, 14. I want to end with a scripture, but it said, this is a confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his, what does it say? Say it loud. His will. Huh. You know, it didn't say, this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his word. <laughs> now, John 15 tells us in verse 7, if you abide in him and his word abides in you, you can ask what you will. And I think anytime you pray, you're better if you pray the scripture. But he's talking about something more than rehearsing scripture. He's talking about living the Scripture while quoting the Scripture. You with me? He's talking about your lifestyle bearing out the qualities of what I've talked about. That there's integrity, that there's character, that there is kindness, that there is submission, that there is faith, that there is worship. If you come to him exhibiting that kind of qualities in your life. And then you remind him of his word. You remind him of his character. You remind him how good he's been to you. You begin to worship him for who he is. You can be honest and say, Papa, I need some dough. <laughs> if you live it and don't just quote it. You want God to move? It's not talking him into blessing you. It's aligning to a place you're blessable. 
Because he's more anxious to move than you are to believe. Let's get real and honest here. He's a God that blesses his people. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. He don't want you in lack. He wants you to not just speak it. It's easy to quote the Bible. Much harder to live the Bible. I want him to move. I need him to move, but I'm trying to quit forcing him to move. I'm trying to live my life where he moves uninterrupted by the lifestyle I live. Why? Because he said this. All things will work together for the good to them that love me and to them that are carrying out my purpose. You can't even make it go wrong if you live right and do what he tells you to do. What's the next move of God going to be? What kind of faith do I need to have? I need to have daring faith and believe him. Trade on. Struggle to get in my wallet. He has no problem asking me for anything. He's proven it. Kendall has no problem coming up in faith and confidence that I will unload that wallet because she knows my character. She knows my heart. She knows my intent is more for her than for my own good. Amen? See, we need God to move. Tonight, I want to talk about it. I want to expand it from just God's move in your life personally or God's move locally in this church as we carry out these characteristics. I want to talk about God's intent for the world and how he moved in times past. Why? Because he never changes. Bow your heads and hearts with me this morning. I want to ask you a question again. How many of you need God to move right now? Would you hold your hand up again? You need him to move. How many of you say, I'm not going to try to get him to move. I'm going to change to where he can move. I'm going to remove the obstacles of why he hasn't moved. In fact, can you just stand to your feet if you're ready to really surrender and let go of the rope and quit playing tug-of-war with Jesus? Would you just stand and lift both hands as a sign that you're surrendering to him this morning? He knows what you need even before you ask. Shana, he's not shocked by what you need this morning. He knew a long time ago what you need. He's not confused. He wants to meet our needs this morning. Can we just come around the church this morning? Come up front and let's stand together. And can we just go back like a child, like Trey is, and just, can you just say to God, Lord, I know your nature. Can you just slip up both hands and say, I know your nature. I know your character. I know you love me. I know you've spared my life. I know, Lord, that for such a time as this, you've brought me here this morning. God, I know you're. 
word is powerful. It will change my situation. God, I know you're my all in all. I surrender to you this morning. You're my king of kings. You're my Lord of lords. But you're a friend of sinners, Lord. God, you're my savior. You're my savior. You're the lamb of God that's taken away my sin. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning of the end. You're the first and the last. God, you're the restorer of the broken. God, you're the healer of the diseased. God, you're the righteousness of the filthy. You're my teacher, Lord. You're my soul winner. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. You're the fairest of ten thousand. You're the lily of the valley. You are what I need this morning, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to align myself that you can move in my life unhindered. Help me to walk it and not just talk it. Speak to me, Lord. Your servant heareth. Speak to me, Lord. You could change my situation with just one spoken word. I love you, Jesus. Can you just love on him a little bit? Boy, what a word clay give us. The hand that opens the door for grace. Is worship. Wow. Can you just lift your hands and just begin to worship him right now? Don't focus on your situation. Don't talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about your God. <laughs> just exalt him. We love you, Jesus.